There is an art, I think, to agreeable disagreement. The ability to say, I can like you, I can I can hang out with you, and I don't have to agree with you about everything. That's where the, I think the art comes in about like how to hold my own convictions without trying to make sure everybody around me has to have my same convictions. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Resisting Pretense. We're having honest conversations about a life of faith in modern culture. And I hope by the end we'll sharpen your thinking and you can have, we'll inspire faith-infused conversations. That, that, sound, was, that, that was passionate. Was I like that. Yeah, that was All good. Right, good. Uh, I'm Tom Burks. I'm Scott Little. And we're going to talk about debatable matters today. Or are we? Well, that was my thought, is that we were talking about debatable matters. Aren't all matters debatable? That's what the world seems like anymore. From a certain point of view. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why are we going to talk about debatable matters, Scott? <laughs> you weren't ready for that question, were I you? I was not ready for that question. Yeah, think on your feet in this yeah, podcast. I, I guess so. Our original intent was this, is, is that as a church, we have a, a series of... Um, what we would refer to as white sheets that are what we see as debatable matters that on one end of it, that in this, whatever that subject matter might be, there's part of it that's too restrictive that we say, this is outside of the bounds that we, crazy town. well, they're both a little crazy. <laughs> well, I don't know if that one's, that one could be crazy town actually, now that I think about it, but yeah. So it's outside of, of where we would even lean into teaching or acknowledge or that kind of thing where, the other side of that is too permissive. It's, it's also uh, crazy, also town. crazy town. <laughs> and so we're kind of in this, in the, in the middle of this, where we say there's room for debate, there's room for discussion and there's room for grace and for, um, open-mindedness and, right. and, and that idea. And as we got thinking about that, when we talk about resisting pretense, um, a pretense would would say this is the only way you could believe this is this is the absolute yeah and when we talk about debate about debatable matters we're talking about that there isn't necessarily an absolute in this area and that arguably you could argue both sides of it biblically spiritually culturally and be okay yeah, and we're not saying that there isn't absolute truth. We're just saying that our ability to lock it down without any shadow of doubt is really suspect. Like there people have debated elements of Christian faith for centuries and millennia even. And those debates aren't going to go away. We have a we have a faith that's based on, you know, on events that happened 2000 years ago. And we have great documentation of those events, but then how that gets contextualized into current culture, there are some debatable issues of of how to how to bring that into current culture and and what the church should look like, what the what a follower of Jesus should look like. And there's things that we don't always agree on. And that's all right. There are certain things that seem like really out there, like inside of Christian faith. It's not really all that debatable that Jesus 
was sent by God, that he's the son of God, that he is God incarnate, God made flesh. Like those things about the Christian faith, those are not debatable. Um, if, if you're going to be a part of the Christian faith, you, you might debate that outside of the Christian faith about who Jesus is, but inside of this faith, who Jesus is, that's a pretty rock solid. We all, we all pretty much agree on that. But then there's things about like, you know, how to organize a church and, and, uh, you know, you know, whether, whether or not we should, um, drink alcohol, smoke tobacco, go dancing. I mean, there's just over, over the, the years of Christian experience, there's been different perspectives on what the Bible teaches because, and, and how to apply the Bible into modern life. Well, and so many times, I mean, when we, when we talk about debatable matters, inside of the church it's it's not about the facts it's it's more about what is our behavior as we live within this christian life what does that that look like you know and so um you could argue both sides using your example you could argue both sides biblically and behaviorally the pros and cons of drinking alcohol I was going to stop at drinking, but then I looked at my Diet Coke and went, yeah, you know, <laughs> I've also had people tell me that, that drinking Diet Coke is not healthy for me. So, um, but the point being is, is that we often use debatable matters to discuss the rightness or wrongness of my behavior versus mm. what is, is that really right or wrong from a biblical standpoint? Yeah. And I liked what you said earlier about why is this a part of this podcast? Why are we talking about this, this in terms of resisting pretense? It is pretentious from our point of view to think you uniquely have the, uh, the inside track on the absolute truth. I, I think it's important for us to hold, to hold some things loosely, especially things that have been hotly debated for centuries us to think, oh, we've just, we've answered that now. Um, you know, for, for centuries, people who profess to follow Jesus own slaves and they didn't see the disconnect. And eventually people began to challenge that and say, this is really incompatible with the faith that we have. It's incompatible with the idea that, 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 that's a human made in God's image. That's a, you know, they, they deserve a certain amount of, of respect and control over their lives. And, and for centuries, people didn't see the disconnect. And I think it's important for us to always be willing to, to be humble enough to willing to have our ideas challenged and our convictions challenged, um, and to understand that we're going to do the best we can with what, what we understand, but always have that, that underlying humility. Well, and, and this is where that becomes debatable. This is where not, not that anything that you said was, was wrong, but when we talk about slavery, we as a faith have decided that it's wrong, that, that it's incompatible, but there's nothing in scripture that ever right. said it was incompatible. And in fact, you could take that to the next debatable matter of was the slavery, when we talk about, we're going to, I'm going to use slavery as example, is that I would say the slavery at the time that the Israelites were taken by the Egyptians was a slavery that was wrong. 
that mm. that it was forcing somebody into a labor that they neither chose nor deserved. And yet, Scripture talks about that somebody could become an indentured servant. We would refer to that as a slave. Mm-hmm. But the idea being is that I can't afford to pay my bills or to do the things. So I'm, I'm offering you my services in place of food and shelter. You're taking and, care of my needs. Right, right, right. Yeah. And yet we would, we have done a, 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 an amazing job of combining all of that together. And, and so when you, you can actually split debatable matters, even into more and more slivers of, okay, yeah. is this debatable or is that debatable? Mm-hmm. Is this debatable or is, you know. And, yeah, so, and some people might be surprised to hear there's nothing actually expressly in the Bible that says slavery, slavery is wrong. Um, and some people are like, what, really? Like, that's terrible. Well, slavery was an ingrained part of their culture. And there are certainly principles in the Bible that now we can see like, holy cow, like that clearly does not fit in God's value system. Um, the, the taking, you know, the, 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 the violence of taking slaves and, and of, of um, taking away someone's, someone's control over their, their, their life and their choices. That's, that is um, really, ah, I'm losing, I'm losing my words here. Um, in the scripture, we, we can challenge slavery by principle, not by an expressed command. And that's part of why we end up with these you know, over over the the last two thousand years, particularly over the last about five hundred years, the the church that was for most of that time just kind of you know fifteen hundred years or so, or maybe a thousand years of the Roman Catholic Church being kind of the dominant expression of church of 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 Jesus' people in the world, and then five hundred years ago with the Reformation, um, that began to become uh, multiple threads of different ways of looking at the Bible, looking at the message of Jesus and expressing it in different ways. And now you have the Roman Catholic Church and you got the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Methodists and the Episcopalians and all, like all the different tribes that all of them have some core things in common about who Jesus is and what he did and what he accomplished for mankind. Uh, but then all of them have some distinctive ways that they have applied what's in the Bible to how to follow Jesus, how to how to express ourselves as a as a community of faith and and there's some distinctives and what i find really fascinating um and encouraging is that in the last i don't know when i grew when i grew up as a teenager there was still a lot of animosity between these different tribes i don't see that as much today i'm sure it's there in some places um and in some people but what I see today now in the larger faith community of Christians, from Catholics to Baptists, um, there is a, hey, we, we understand there's some things that we hold in common, and we can celebrate that, and there's some things that we disagree on, and, and we can agree to disagree, but there's still some things that we can, we can rally around. Well, and I think part of that is, is as I, as I think my way through it is some of that might just be the, uh, the infusion of technology into faith that people are now reading scripture more and have the ability to read scripture more and go, wait a minute, that's not what, 
and to that's see not what various arguments says. Yeah. yeah and be able to see see various arguments and then to be also to be able to say that salvation has nothing to do with all of these debatable matters it only has to deal with believing in that Jesus was the son of God and that he died for my sins and rose again um, on the yeah. third day and that, that he is alive. And that is the only piece that defines me as a, as a believer in Christ or not, not whether I drink or smoke or, you know, whatever, how might I be worship, the, how I whatever, worship, yeah. whether I raise my hands or put them in my pockets or <laughs> think the only way to heaven is through, through no instruments or having lots of instruments or lights or smoke or all of that means nothing in, in the reality of what the foundation of Christianity is that, yeah. that basic, basic foundation. And so I can look at other people and go, let's talk about that. That may not be what I believe. That may not be how I, what my faith says about scripture, but let's have that conversation because that's different than how you believe. And I think that's important for us to have those conversations inside of the church. Right. Because right. if we can't do that well in the church, how will we ever do it well outside of the church? Yeah, it's interesting. I So I see this growing comfort inside of the church. and I mean, church like broad scope church. This growing comfort with saying, hey, we agree on some core things. We disagree on about some other things, but that's, that's okay. We don't have to agree about everything. And that's cool. I'm really excited about that. And I feel like that, that sentiment is growing at the same time in our culture, it seems to be moving the opposite direction. Like there seems to be this polarization in our culture, like for example, in political ideology that not only now, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm on the Democrat side of the aisle. I'm on the Republican side of the aisle. And now it's almost like, and, and the other side is the enemy. They're evil. They're off, you know, they're, they're, they're irredeemable and we can't agree on anything. And that's disturbing in our culture, but I'm actually really proud that the church seems to be moving the other direction, not everywhere, not everyone, but certainly in, in broad strokes, I see the church moving the other direction. And I've, and there's a lot more churches, I would say, like ours that are becoming less tribal, less like of one, just one way of thinking. But we have a church where we have a lot of people from different backgrounds, different faith, different like Christian faith backgrounds, different tribe, tribal backgrounds. And they come in and and we may not agree about all the little details of, you know, how we should do this, how we should worship or, or this or that or whatever. And we all have some different perspectives, but about the core things we agree. And then about the debatable matters, there's a certain amount of space for disagreement that we can respect each other's different perspectives. And then there's some things outweigh in the margins that we're like, yeah, we're not really going to get into that. <laughs> you know, it's, I had a, a conversation with a, a woman this last weekend and, and she came from a different denomination to our church. And the conversation was really fascinating from the standpoint that she said, you know, there are things about the church that I came from that I found were so restrictive hmm. that I could not justify them in scripture. I could not justify their hardline stances mm -hmm. on all of those things. And it's what brought me to this church. And then, and then she said, but at the same time, there are things I miss about that. I enjoyed about that church mm. that, that 
you that this church does not go in that direction musically or prayerfully or whatever it was. And, and, and she said, so, so there's this little bit of tension in my life. And I said, you know, that's, we have that here because of, of how we look at things, Yeah, you know? And so we acknowledge and, and respect your freedom to worship in those ways. But we also expect that you will give freedom to the people who don't worship in those ways, that same freedom. And, mm. you know, she, her, her, she just kind of got that, oh, I get it. Mm. You know, so it's okay for you to grieve what you miss, but it's also freeing to accept the things that you now believe to be true in scripture. There is an art, I think, to agreeable disagreement. The ability to say, you know, I can like you, I can, I can hang out with you. I can, you know, in a church setting, I can worship with you. I can serve with you. And I don't have to agree with you about everything. That, that, that's a beautiful thing. And, and, and it's a, it's a fine line sometimes. That's where the, I think the art comes in about like how to, how to hold my own convictions without trying to make sure everybody around me has to have my, my same convictions. Well, and I think part of that is being able to say, what do we agree on? Right. How can we, how can we come to the place that here are the things we do agree on? And now let's, can we talk openly about what we, what we disagree on and, and why we have the stance that we do, but still be able to say, man, I love you. I disagree with you in this area, but I, I love you. And, and we can have that kind of, we can have mm-hmm. that relationship. There's these interesting, um, this interesting word dynamic between unity and unanimity, and they come from the same root. And you know they sound similar, but they're very different. Like unity means like we we're on the same page. We can we can go the same direction. We can we can we can be for each other. Unanimity would be like we're exactly the same. And I I don't think. I don't think unanimity is really even possible. If if it is, it's so narrow minded. It's I I think it's kind of ridiculous and it's not helpful. <laughs> well, government wise, we've seen how many governments try to go for unanimity, unanimity. and it just explodes on them. And yeah. well, it, unless unless you are of a dictatorial government, and even then. You know, I think about I think about China, which would would want to be a, a unanimity country, mm-hmm. and yet you still have outbursts of like a Beijing and those kinds of things that are people are going, no, this doesn't work. Yeah, you can't you cannot enforce unanimity, um, e- even in a culture that might respect it. It just it doesn't fly. It doesn't work. Um, and I think that's where we have to learn. Um, to be confident in what we believe and to be sure about what we think is, you know, I think it's, it's really helpful. It's really useful to say, here are the core things I hold with a really tight fist, like who Jesus is, what he accomplished on the cross, what that means to me, how that's accessible to people. Those kind of things as far as faith are like, I, I hold those tightly. I like my, that's a white knuckle grip on those kind of beliefs. But then things like, you know, how do you organize a church? Um, how do you know, how do you express worship? You know, how do you, 
you know, who, who can lead all the, all those kind of things. like who can lead that became a huge thing, um, in the, in the national news, uh, the, the largest evangelical Christian group in the country, the Southern Baptists, um, just had just kicked out, I think the second largest church in their movement, and and by far the most well known church in their movement, Saddleback Church in Southern California. They removed them from their movement because they had a disagreement about where women fit in the leadership structure of the church. And to me, it was sad because it was not one of those core principles. It was a secondary principle. Um, and it's really, I think, in some ways, a departure away from this, you know, having having debatable matters that we can agree to disagree on, but still still be moving in the same, still have unity of moving in the same direction. Because in every other way, Saddleback exemplifies that movement. Um, but in that way, they're a little bit of an outlier in that movement. And it was sad to me that that there is like no wiggle room for agreeing to a disagree on a matter that is not core and fundamental. And so, um, you know, this is something the church struggles with still. And, and at times we do this really well, well, you know, and even in the Southern Baptist movement, there are a lot of Southern Baptist churches that do well of, of engaging with even churches of other faith tribes. But in this particular case, they, they really elevated one issue that they said, no, this is no longer debatable to us. And that was a little sad to me. So in my mind, I have this picture going on as you're talking because um, unanimity implies that we all have to be the same. And if that were the case, then one of us is not needed. <laughs> I mean, truly, you know, because we're exactly the same. There's, you know, where unity has this beautiful picture of us being together, but having different roles and different pieces of it and that we can disagree. And, and so the picture in my mind was that I'm, I'm actually thinking about our courtyard, but there is a unity about the trees and the grass and the, and the, um, how it's put together with all these natural pieces, mm -hmm. there's unity there, but they're all different pieces. They're all very separate in their own right, but they create this unified picture. Mm -hmm. When the church is unified, it is this beautiful picture of people that can have conversations about difficult things and right. still love one another, not because of anything then other than who Jesus is. Right. When we try to make that, unanimity the church breaks down and and frankly i think it's far less beautiful you know that's there's the scriptural image the metaphor of of the body like yeah we're not all elbows we're not all eyes we're not all ears and that's not just in our roles or our function but it's also sometimes in our in our perspectives and our personalities and then the 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 strengths that we bring it it's it is a beautifully diverse Place that can have this wonderful unity, um, even with a lot of diversity in it. So, um, I think when we do this really well inside the church, then then we have something to offer outside the church. Um, you know, I was just thinking about that dynamic between if we do this really well, if we 
if we can agree to disagree, if we can be agreeably disagreeing, and if we can we can have this sense of unity without having unanimity, and we can model that, then the the way that we love each other in that picture then becomes something we can teach the world. Like you don't you don't have to operate fully in in the zone of judgment and condemnation. You can you can respect someone else without agreeing with them. And I think there's a lot that our faith could teach <laughs> our culture right now, our very polarized culture about respecting each other and, and having some unity about some core principles, even if we have disagreement or debate about other principles. You know, it's, um, I think about this, it's just crazy right now. And I just, I mean, we're, we're in crazy town, <laughs> but I think about the shooting in Tennessee mm. and it's tragic Yeah, and it's tragic on so many different levels. I think what saddens me the most now is that prayer is in debate that people are attacking the church to say, well, if you pray so much, why did they die? Or, Oh, I hadn't why, heard that yet. Oh wow. yeah. So there's, so there's this big, because, because people against the church are attacking it because they won't support gun control or they won't support. And they said, well, look what prayer did for you. It got six people killed, you know? Oh, wow. And, and I'm like, that is not a debatable matter for the church. That is not a, and it's not inside of the church, but it's the exact thing we're talking about is how do we step in it into that? It is now a debatable matter because it's been made that way. Yeah. And how does the church now step into that and say, okay, let's have a conversation about that. Let's not mm -hmm. just, you know, um, and, and, and it's, it's profound to me. The very conversation we're having is how does the church now have that conversation? Well, um, and, and not that we have to discuss it today. I just, it's, it's striking to me that what we hold so foundationally true, so much a structure, no matter what church you're in, no matter what, the what, prayer is, what important. prayer is important. Yeah. And that's now been thrown into the limelight of, oh, well, if your God is so big, you know, why did this happen? Mm. And, uh, and, and it's, and it's become a bit, you know, from the, from the few articles I read that that wow. has become a big issue. Wow. That's crazy. And I hadn't, I hadn't seen that yet. Yeah. I think, you know, not, not that we're going to solve gun control issues on our podcast, but um, I think there is. You know, my, my default, having experienced the, the beauty and the value of, of debatable matters inside our context, I don't find it that hard to, hard to get outside of our context now. And, and, you know, someone may have a, if I'm having a conversation with someone about say gun control, like I have my mindset, but I'm. Fundamentally, I come into a conversation like that. I want to. I want to listen. I want to find where we can agree. Like, yeah, let's let's agree that we don't want people being slaughtered. Now let's talk about, you know, 
what are solutions and are are they effective solutions and how do we like how do we find a way that we can maybe not even approach it from a, a single solution but but what are what what are the things that we can do i think sometimes we get so stuck on the one thing that we're passionate about and then it's the magic bullet and and you know societal societal problems like violence um never never get solved with simple right. singular solutions what? and so i i think it's going to it's going to be one of those things that if we can't listen to each other that it's never going to get solved when everything is polarizing and that my my hope is is the better we become as followers of Jesus of respecting and listening to other people's points of view that we can we can begin bridging the gaps between these polar extremes that we see in our culture. Well, and it's never an easy answer. Mm-hmm. It's never something that says we can have one conversation, you know, and the world is fixed. That you know that's always the joke is oh we're fi- we're solving the world's problems. And by the end of that however long conversation you've not solved anything. Yeah. But there is this I I think back to when our church had decided to take on the women in ministry conversation mm-hmm. and how does that fit with inside of our church? And it right. truly was a debatable matter, but sure. it was something that went on for months. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the studying and the discussion and the talk and, and the beauty of the elder team being able to say, here's where I land on it right now. And then a year and a half later go, here's where I land on it differently than when I started because of conversations, because of discussion, because of things that I had to rethink. And, and there was an openness among people to say, if you were to ask me today, I am on this side of the issue, but I am open to hearing other discussion about it because I know this is not, not, um, a hard and fast rule. So I've got to be willing to at least have that conversation. Right. And, and where the church landed on that came out of a beautiful debatable matter that people <laughs> sometimes very passionately argued, Yeah. but then came back to be willing to say, I had not thought of it from that point of view. It has changed my, per-, you know, I still, I, my, my needle, has moved. It may not moved over to your side, mm-hmm. but it certainly moved closer to the middle of than, than I was before. Yeah. That was, that was maybe the, the shining example in, in many ways of our, our debatable matters here that we, we did have when we, when we addressed that issue, we did have, and we, to this day still have people with different perspectives about what role women should play in leadership in the church. And it, very different perspectives, um, but there is a culture of, I think, mutual respect for, you know, I understand why you believe the way you believe. I understand why you believe the way you believe, and I, I, I can't believe what you believe <laughs> either direction, but I love you, and I, we, we can be in church together, and the, the policy decision that we had to make was at first something I was not happy about. And then in retrospect, now something that I'm, I'm 
kind of kind of proud of not that I created it because I, I didn't want it, but um, <laughs> but proud of now because I see its wisdom now that we struck this middle ground that neither side of the argument was happy with. I'm not, that's a wrong way to say it. neither side. It doesn't represent either side of the argument. We didn't side one way or another. We struck this middle ground where we both sides, both sides had to give something. And in that sacrifice of giving something, that showed respect for each other in a way that I, I thought was really, really beautiful and, and ultimately gave us a way to move forward and make decisions as a church and, and, and be okay. It's like, this is who we are. And, you know, in a family, you know, in a marriage, I think about my marriage, there are, there are things that my wife and I would do differently. And sometimes, sometimes it goes more her way. Sometimes it goes more my way. And sometimes we kind of ride the line in between. It's it's like not really her or me. It's kind of the, the us solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do that, I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent the us solution and she's not a hundred percent. You know, like I got to sacrifice something maybe that I want or a way that I would do something um, to accommodate her. And that's, those are good things in relationships. Um, and those are good things in, in the way we express our faith and culture is to be able to respect somebody enough to maybe, you know, not always have to have my way a hundred percent of the time. Well, and what was fascinating about that particular debatable matter is that it wasn't an us versus them. It wasn't the men versus the women. There was as many women on both sides of that right. issue as right. there were men. And so it wasn't just a, a you know, and, and all of those aspects and those thoughts had to come into play, you know, and I think you're right. I think that where we landed at that time was right for our church, mm-hmm. but we would never claim, I don't know about never. You're not, never supposed to say never or always, but <laughs> I don't think we would claim that where we landed is perfect for every church. Absolutely not. Because that, that then pulls into that absolute that this is the only way to do it. And that's, that is why we, one of our qualities is to say, we don't want to think that we're so good that we know the answer for every church. And that that's, that's kind of pretentious. Well, and even making that statement is a little <laughs> bit pretentious as you think about it. It's like, oh, so now you're being pretentious to say you're not pretentious. Oh, um, that's which a is, rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it does say, and, and it's one of the beauties of what one of the reasons that we, we um, like being connected to the Southern Baptist and not that the Southern Baptist church is, is perfect, but it does give the autonomy for every church to say, here's where we land. And, and it goes back to what you said. thought it did. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, and that's the struggle right now is Mm -hmm. that it feels like you've taken away that freedom for us to be who we are Mm -hmm. and to still support this amazing organization for the purpose of missions, right? You know, and so, um, and so now that's become a debatable matter, even within our own denomination. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm out of Diet Coke. Podcast <laughs> is over. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> no, I think 
so for the listener, what I, what I, I, my encouragement would be, you know, learn to do this well. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming most of our listeners would come from a point of view of faith. <laughs> Why else would they listen? Um, but learn to do this well inside your, your faith community, inside your relationships of, of identifying what are the core truths that you hold on tightly? What are the things that you be gracious about and hold in a looser hand and say, you know, I have an opinion. It's not that I'm, it's not that I'm not convinced of my opinion. It's just that I respect that you may have drawn another opinion, even based on the same source material that I used, because there is a lot of debate, thousands of years of debate over the same source material. So, um, so, but I'm going to hold some things really tightly, some things a little more loosely, a little more humbly. Um, and then if you can, if you can do that well inside the faith community, you're going to be a lot more effective in having faith, faith oriented conversations, faith infused conversations with, with your friends outside of the faith where you, where you don't need to engage in judgment. You don't need to engage in condemning because you're willing to respect their opinion or maybe how they've drawn their opinion, even if you would, and respect them as people, even if you disagree with their conclusions. And that creates space for engagement. And honestly, there's far more, far more room for conversation and even influence when there's far, well, let me say it this way, there's far more room for influence if you can have a conversation. But the moment you engage in condemnation and judgment, that's, that's how that polarization happens. And you lose the opportunity to bring influence into someone's life if all you do is judge and condemn. And I think the important part that, I mean, all of that was important, but I think the important part that you said is learn to do that well. And the way we learn to do that well is to find that trusted friend, say, ask the question, what do we agree on? And then what do you think about, mm-hmm. you know, and begin to have those conversations. And, and, and then when the conversation is over, one of the things that we, we, I think we don't do well is that we walk away from the conversation and never come back to it in our mind to say, how could I have done that better? How could I have expressed that differently? How could I have... You know, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. What did I learn from that conversation? It's almost that that um, w- we would refer to it as a, as a debrief. You know, do, do we debrief ourselves about that particular conversation mm. um, and learn from it? And so I think, you know, the whole idea of learning to do that well within the church helps us to do that well outside. Yeah. Good work. All right. Time for more Diet Coke. Thanks for joining us on uh, Resisting Pretense. I hope this is helping you think about your faith thoughtfully, especially as it it plays out in our our culture. And uh, I hope it helps you engage with other people. Have great conversations. 